This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Today we bring you a conversation I moderated for City Club Missoula, featuring my Incentives and Instincts partner, Bryce Ward, and the director of UM's Bureau of Business and Economic Research, Pat Barkey. Have a listen. Fellas, thanks for being here today. Pleasure to be here. So um, we'll start with you, Bryce. We've talked a lot about how the economy is messy and making predictions is difficult, especially ones that deal with the future. When you talk, when you say messy, you predicted that the economy will continue to be messy f- for the next little while. What does that mean? What do you mean by messy? So we're we're in year three of mess. It's been different messes. So you know, obviously, first we had the COVID direct mess, and then we had the COVID induced mess. Uh, and the COVID induced mess is where we're still trying to get out of. And the COVID induced mess has two parts. So first, we just wreaked havoc on supply chains, and that's for result of two things. One is just Things got messed up because of COVID. But also as a result of us being at home and not being out in the world, we changed what we wanted to buy. We shifted how much money we spent on services. We reduced that and we started to buy a lot more goods. So that put a lot of pressure on the goods supply chain uh, because we wanted more of it. So that demand had increased it. And then, you know, we've recovered some in the services side where goods are starting to normalize. We're kind of closer to normal, but we still have that imbalance, right? So that, you know, kind of was one of the sources of the havoc is just this shift from normal to more goods, less services, uh, and then both of those not being able to meet demand because of havoc. So that's the supply side factors. And at the same time, we didn't spend as much money during 2020. Uh, so we saved a bunch, uh, and we also got a bunch more money through various stimulus packages. So all told, households got about $2.5 trillion that they saved up, you know, more than normal. Uh, and, you know, how household balance sheets remain kind of strong. So that kind of gave us demand side, right? So increase demand, mess up supply, you get inflation. And that's what we've been dealing with for over a year now. And that's the main mess that we're dealing with. Good news, we have started to see disinflation. So we're not at the peaks we were a few months ago. It's starting to come down. And it appears like what's baked into the system in terms of things we only see with a lag is likely to keep pushing it down, hopefully. And, you know, and a lot of that's because the supply side has kind of fixed itself for the most part. So we're not seeing as much supply side problems, right? So now we have just the demand side, but the demand side stuff is still there. And, you know, now we're stuck with the Federal Reserve trying to deflate demand, which is very hard, right? The reality is, is that we don't really know where we are with respect to the economy at any given point in time, right? The data we have is always backward looking. We don't know where exactly we are. And we don't know exactly what the conditions are in the world that we're trying to deal with. And so it's like, we're trying to take our foot off the gas and not have to slam on the brakes without spinning into the ditch. The challenge that we still face is, you know, they've raised, the Fed has raised interest rates a ton. That is certainly deflating demand in certain sectors. We have no yet indication that we're in a recession, but there are some indications that, you know, at least some of these kind of early warning indicators that are not always very reliable are kind of flashing red. Like, yeah, the probability of recession at some point in 2023 is maybe elevated. I try not to predict the future. Um, it's not really my area. I'm not very good at it. If I was good at it, I certainly wouldn't be here. I would be off betting on my skills, uh, getting very rich. Pat tries to do more forecasting. He, you know, I think it's literally part of what he thinks of as his job. So 
Uh, I think at this point, maybe we can, you know, ask Pat what he wants to say about what the future is. Uh, Pat, let's sort of shift the focus local and maybe how the Missoula economy has changed over the last five or 10 years. We're certainly in a different place now than we were a while back. Sure, Justin. First, I'm kind of struck by the irony of uh, asking three UM guys to tell you anything about the real world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what the heck? So Missoula today. So we have to we have to separate from what Missoula has been through that's different than what everyone else has been through because uh, we're quite a bit different today simply because of a lot of the things Bryce described as they manifested themselves in our community. So we certainly saw a very pronounced down-up cycle. It was um, kinder to some industries than others. Uh, the notable uh, ones that were hurt, of course, were the uh, human-facing industries, clearly accommodations, this industry right here, some extent, some extent healthcare, other industries like construction and tech uh, hardly noticed it at all. So there's been a lot of uh, upheaval. There's been gigantic labor market strain. Of course, there's been inflation. There's inflation in every community in the country. So that much is is no different. And uh, it's, 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 it's extremely meaningful just because everyone else is going through it. It's probably top on uh, your concerns as well. What's happened? What? How is Missoula different? Well, I mean, first off, in terms of what makes the Missoula economy tick, has changed in ways that I think are are pretty positive for everything that we're going through. Uh, we we do have a tech sector in Missoula. Many, many of you are in it. As a result of some of the growth in tech, Missoula is picking itself up from being what you might consider to be a very typical low wage college town to one that pays a more decent wage. Our, our, wages, our wage growth has been impressive, uh, and uh, there's a different uh, vibe because of that. I think in terms of uh, other issues, though, I think we've gotten a little worse. We, we have an extremely stressed housing market that over five years has gotten worse, mostly because we're not building as much and we have economic growth. And you put those two together and you get rising prices, in the case of what happened in 20 and 21, which was highly unusual, a huge spike in housing demand. Uh, you have low inventories. But we, we, we clearly have a housing, uh, housing market strain. We stand in good company, I suppose, if you want to say it, put it that way, uh, with a lot of other uh, very livable, very nice-to-live places that happen to be unaffordable. <laughs> and we're not quite all the way there yet, but we're, we're, but we're, we're making... Uh, great strides towards that. We're also a, a city uh, and a community whose tax base is changing as well. Uh, we're less industrial than we used to be. Our tax base is growing more slowly. Property tax base is growing more slowly than is our appetite for public services. So as a result, we have higher taxes, which in many cases we vote for. So it's not, you know, that's 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 an outcome, and that that's a shift in where we are. I think, uh, in many ways, though, uh, we're we're becoming a community that is uh, has more newcomers as well than what we always have. Uh, we're a college town; we have a we have a constant churn of people coming and going. But in terms of uh, people selecting us as a place to live and to do business, uh, perhaps doing business in another state remotely, perhaps doing business here. So I think that is a uh, that's a subtle change as well. 
So um, maybe I'll just stop there and, and say that's the view from 30,000 feet. So when we talk about this imprecise tool that the Fed has, interest rates being the most salient, when, it, when an interest rate rise occurs, particularly at the rate at which these series of rate hikes have occurred, what is, what, how does that translate down to you know the folks sitting in this room and, and the, the work that they're trying to do here in the local economy? Well, the easiest one to get your head around is just interest rates for mortgages. Right. If you looked and you said, okay, so housing prices in Missoula have gone up a lot, right? So just since the fourth quarter of 2019, not adjusted for inflation or anything, they're up like 65%. Now that's a really scary number. But then you go, okay, well, we had a lot of inflation. So adjusted for inflation and you get down to more like 30 something percent or 40 some percent. And then for a long of that period, right? You know, through the end of 2021, interest rates were bargain basement. So if you just said, hey, look, what does it cost to go buy uh, the average house with a 30-year fixed rate mortgage? What's my payment going to be? And, you know, the payment as of the end of 2021, when a lot of this housing appreciation had gone, was still completely normal within the range that, you know, we had seen in Missoula going back to the 90s. All right? And if we looked at it as a share of income, it was actually less than you paid in 1990. Then the interest rate spike happens, right? And now if you look at that payment... I think it's gone up over 40 some percent in less than a year. The highest it had been had been in like 2004, 5, 6, 7, right? So the peak of the housing bubble. And, you know, we kind of, hey, if you looked at, I don't have the graph here, but you kind of looked at it when well, it was like this, you know, a little, little bit of a wave. And most of the 2010s it had kind of been really cheap and kind of ticked up a little bit in 2021. And now it's vertical, right? It is so far, it's like, you know, if you just again, it is a rough measure because I don't have like a good measure of, of of household income. But if you just say, well, what does it cost to for that thirty year mortgage payment on an average house uh, as a share of personal income per capita, which isn't household income, but you know, just average personal income, you know, it's like over forty percent, right? And then historically, it had been in the twenties, and so we've seen just an enormous change in the affordability of housing, and so that's what it means day to day. We lived in a low interest rate environment, so if you're Justin I's age or younger, you don't remember inflation because it really wasn't part of our lives. I wasn't paying much attention to interest rates before, you know, the mid 2000s. And, you know, every, my, my parents, when I bought my first house at like a 6% mortgage rate, were like, that's amazing. It's just so great. All right. And then they haven't been 6%, you know, in 15 years, right? Like maybe one period, but, you know, so it's, it's just a big change. But it's not just interest rates are a really powerful lever in the economy, right? They affect all sorts of things. Like, the stock market and uh, the viability of various venture capital funded businesses and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And so, you know, moving into a higher interest rate environment, the idea is, is that, you know, we're going to destroy demand, right? That's the whole point. And the downside of that is if we don't get it right, if we crash into a ditch, we end up destroying capacity, right? We want to stop utilizing stuff so extensively. That's where inflation comes from. But if we crash, we end up in a recession, well, then we have to, we end up destroying capacity that we have to rebuild, right? So that's the danger that we're facing. But, you know, the reality of high interest rates, the easiest one, obviously, is what it's doing to, you know, the price of purchased housing and then what that does to then construction. So we did build a lot. In 2021, building permits in Missoula County were like twice normal, right? I mean, it was a lot. And in 2022, they were still high, but they fell almost by 60 some percent, right? And, you know, that's, and interest rates were, have been ticking up. I am not optimistic about 2023, but given that, as Pat talked about, you know, net migration to Montana is three and a half times higher in the last two years than it has been over the last 20 years. Now, Missoula, because we don't have housing, hasn't been capturing that as much of that. 
It's in Ravalli and Mineral and Sanders and Granite and Lake. Missoula is kind of just a little above normal, but that's not because there wasn't demand. Housing prices went up by a lot. It's that there wasn't supply. You, there was no place to put them. That demand, that has to do with a fundamental shift in the economy about remote work and some of those things that's probably not going to go anywhere, or at least will be much higher than it was pre-pandemic. Uh, so not building housing just means that you were prolonging a problem, or at least we have to decide how much housing we want to build. But you know, the fact that interest rates are making it harder for us to deal with our capacity issue uh, is not a great thing. It just means that we're going to kind of be in this mess for a little bit longer. Sure, Pat. But continuing on with interest rates, I mean, you, you mentioned the, some of the shifts in the economy. We kind of have a, a newcomer effect and you know the rise of the tech sector and decline of manufacturing. When you think about the effects of interest rates on a local economy, are we more or less exposed to interest rate shocks now based on these changes that you described, or, or is that not something that we should be thinking about? I, I don't think we're especially exposed to high interest rates here. I think... Uh, uh, that doesn't mean they're not painful, as Bryce described. I think uh, there's two aspects of the interest rates, of course. Interest rate is just a price. It's a price of money. So in any case, there's a transaction, there's a buyer, and there's a seller. So that joyous time Bryce just described uh, when he was borrowing money was completely painful. It punished savers. And it forced savers to go to all kinds of lengths to come up with some kind of return so they could fund the things that they wanted to fund in their future. So uh, there are two sides to that. But in terms of the, the short-run look at uh, how our economy does, one of the things that has emerged as an important part of the Missoula economy in the last couple of years has been construction. And, the, and construction now is, is more, it's represented more heavily in the Missoula economy than it has been for quite some time. That is a very interest rate sensitive sector. Mm -hmm. But no one in the construction industry should be surprised to see demand go up and down. I mean, it's just not that kind of industry. And, and every uh, community has construction to some degree or another. The key for interest rates is not uh, regionally, how do we stack up against Billings, against Boise or whatever versus interest rates, but rather what does it mean for our short-term future? And Bryce is exactly right. It's, it's a higher price to do some of the things that you may want to do. And so those things will either not be done, they will be done on a smaller scale, or they'll be done later. And all those things have the effect of cooling off the demand, and which is exactly what the Federal Reserve is trying to do. We'll be back to our conversation with Bryce Ward and Pat Barkey after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hey, this is Ryan Tutel of ESPN Radio in Missoula, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. You're listening to a live recording from City Club Missoula with economists Bryce Ward and Pat Barkey. So getting a little bit more specific, thinking about Missoula is well known for its entrepreneurial spirit, entrepreneurship community. Is this, Pat, is this a good time to be an entrepreneur trying to start a business or, or a tough time? And how would you describe that? And this is funny because Bryce is the expert on entrepreneurship and you're asking me that question. <laughs> I know. And then you asked him the third question. That's I right. Like that. I like We've totally inverted. This is good. This is like flip the deck. So I'll tread water here for just a second. Um, 
it's always a good time to be an entrepreneur. I mean, that's uh, the ironic thing is that entre- the rate of entrepreneurship is actually falling. We're turning into an economy that is more dominated by mid to large sized employers. I'm not sure if that's happening in Missoula to the same degree, but entrepreneurship, I, I think it, it, it happens in, in, in two ways. Uh, one is what I guess I would consider to be uh, your passion is entrepreneurship. You have the resources to pursue your dream. Uh, you start business. The other one is you lose your job. <laughs> and right now, the one asterisk on every concern for the economy in 2023 is the job market. Because right up to the very most recent report, we're hearing that U.S. employers and to a large degree Montana employers are continuing to hire. So I noticed there was economic security with a question mark here. Oh, that hasn't been threatened too much. So that that force for creating new entrepreneurs is not there in the economy right now. Bryce, any thoughts on, in an economy where it's harder to get access to capital, presumably it would make you, make your business better, right? If you're trying to go out and raise capital, you just have to have a better pitch. You got to have a tighter kind of idea and have that idea, you know, fleshed out further along. What do you, what do you think about that? In theory, you know, we saw a lot of really dumb ideas, you know, in a low interest rate environment, you know, so maybe entrepreneurship, you know, there's, it's a multi, there's, there's several factors, right? So interest rates are just one of several, right? You know, there actually has been a boom in entrepreneurship during the pandemic. And that's because of this massive shift in the location of economic activity, right? You know, the fact that people are reshuffling where they want to spend their time means that there's now opportunities, right? And there's opportunity in, you know, in the way that business is organized is different. So there's just different, there, you know, so, you know, it's always a function of how big is the opportunity and what is the cost to pull it off, right? So the cost of pulling it off in a low interest rate environment, you know, as Pat said, like, you know, those people with money that are trying to find return, you know, you start grasping at straws to some degree, right? And, you know, like that's what venture capital really is exceptional at, right? It's like, well, look, we're going to pool our money and we're going to bet on a hundred things and hope that one of them pays off, yeah. right? And that will generate, a, you know, and a payoff in this huge fashion, which will generate enough return to pay off for the 199 other bad bets, right? Now with higher interest rates, yeah, you know, I don't have to pursue that as much, but, you know, I also am sitting there saying, well, now there's opportunities. And so those opportunities, you know, it, it, it's just market clearing, right? Prices move, markets clear. What does it mean for Missoula? I don't know. I mean, certainly it means, you know, the shift in location of activity as of thus far, Missoula and Montana are winners, right? Winner, well, if you view more people as winning, that's a debate and a big one and it's going to be a bigger part of the debates in the future in Montana. But we are certainly on the attractive end in terms of, uh, where the shifts in economic activity are occurring, that creates opportunities, but it also is going to create a bunch of fights. How are we feeling about infrastructure based on the growth of this community and other areas around Montana, transportation infrastructure, healthcare, and so forth? You know, have we been able to? We talked about how housing supply has not kept up with population growth. Are, are, are other systems to accommodate a boom in population keeping up with the rate of population growth, or are they doing a better job than the housing market? Well, I'm, I'm tempted to quote uh, from Bryce's old advisor on infrastructure. I love That's one of my favorite uh, Ed Kleiser quotes is that uh, there's opportunity to make really big mistakes in infrastructure investments. <laughs> I want you to never forget that. I, I can't help editorializing here a little bit. This has not too much to do with Missoula per se, 
But the way we build and fund infrastructure is, is kind of screwy in this country, to put it mildly. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a political thing. Uh, we don't pay for it very well. I'm an economist. I mean, things should not be free. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yet that's the way we pay for infrastructure. So I don't want to go off on that tangent for too long because it becomes a bit of a sermon. But uh, it is is difficult to imagine in the world we're in now that infrastructure would keep up. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. So infrastructure is also lumpy and difficult to pay for. Uh, not, only, not only is it difficult to find the people who should pay for it, but it's difficult to uh, assign what each one should pay. I, I don't think the the growth in Missoula is to the point where our infrastructure needs, in terms of public infrastructure, are a, a huge concern. Our, our, our water systems, our other public services are, are functioning. You mentioned housing, so we'll leave that one off the table. That one does have some some real issues with it. But uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm treading water a little bit with this question because I, I, I really, I don't like the way we pay for infrastructure. And, and, and so until we do fix it, I don't expect to see a very responsive uh, infrastructure investment to, uh, to accommodate changes in growth. Sure. Bryce, you have any thoughts to add on that? Look, I mean, this is simple demand and supply, Right. Demand for Missoula, demand for Montana have gone up, right? That means, you know, we're seeing that both in more people, different people, and higher prices. So that means that we have to decide how much we want to increase the supply of Montana to accommodate that demand. And there's all sorts of different approaches to how much we increase supply. California famously has made it essentially impossible to build very much. And as a result, price goes up, people leave, not more quantity. That's essentially the, what we are going to be facing in Montana. We already have. We've already been facing this. But as demand shifts out and as it shifts out in a much larger way, we have to now decide, okay, well, what are we going to do on supply? And that means we have to decide how we want to pay for it. That means we have to decide where we're going to put it. means we have to decide how much of it we're going to make. And those are all very big contentious fights, right? And then we also have to recognize that some of our infrastructure is not built infrastructure. That's physical capital. But some of our natural capital, we can't increase the supply of it, right? So, you know, there's always going to be these fights about scarcity. Look, it's better than the alternative, right? You know, shrinking demand when you're watching things decay and you're in the downward loop, that's, the, that's, the, so that's really where you don't want to be. But in the world of increasing demand, the fights are about the fact that some things become more, quote, scarce because demand is, you know, supply has to keep up with demand. And... The good news is, is that we have some control over how we manage supply. Sure. The bad news is, is that it's not clear that the recent historical record suggests that we're very good at that. That was all the time we had for the panel discussion, because one of the hallmark features of City Club is the opportunity for community members to collaboratively generate and ask questions. Here are a few of the best questions we received and the answers Pat and Bryce provided. So at our table, we spent a lot of time talking about the housing market and a little bit about short-term rentals and whether the potential movement across the country and even locally within the state to regulate short-term rentals could have an effect on the housing market. The, the reality is, is, look, demand for place is demand for place. And the question is, is how do we allocate the supply to meet that demand? You know, look, the, the short-term rental 
academic literature is a little all over the place. And I think it might depend a lot on actual context. But at least in some cases, attempts to regulate short-term rentals, all it did was reduce the supply of housing. Right. So in, in some markets, at least I have seen papers where uh, when you went, when, when the move to regulate the short term rentals was imposed, you know, the thing that moved was how many houses you got built. Hello, uh, our table was discussing the worker shortage in Missoula and around the, the world, but specifically in Missoula. Can you quantify how and where this shortage is occurring in terms of age demographics, full time, part time, early retirement? What are the actual numbers that would kind of lead us to why we have such a shortage of workers. Right now, today in Missoula County, uh, there's roughly 30% more people working in the accommodations and food industries than there were before the pandemic. So you want to talk about shortage? It's You can see what side it's coming from. I mean, the last I saw, it's, you know, so what we call prime age, so 25 to 54 is basically back, uh, at least nationally. And it's the tail. So less than 25 and ab- above 55, that are the laggards. And who is exactly lagging in both of those groups? It seems like I see different studies arguing different things every few weeks. So I won't try and uh, pick one out because I just know that I haven't seen somebody come out and say, this is what it is. And we all agree on that. Hi there. Um, we were wondering, what sort of industries do you see the Missoula economy supporting in the future? And any thoughts around what we can do as city council, or I guess I should say the city, the county residents, um, what we can do to support that? Well, you're going to certainly have a lot of accommodation. The reality of the shift in location of economic activity is, you know, when you have more people who are working for somebody somewhere else, they're bringing their money here. And what are they buying here? They're buying stuff here. And so, you know, it's obviously good for the people who supply the things that people buy locally. The question, I think, is, well, if you get a concentration of enough remote workers, can you then attract firms to say, hey, you don't want to keep working in your basement? Why don't you come work hybrid for me? Right. That, I think, is the big question for places like Missoula is, is that going to be a viable strategy? It's called the job, the people first jobs follow model. Right. And it's what we followed in Missoula for a long time. People wanted to live here. So people said, oh, hey. Firms would say, oh, I can get cheap workers there, right? But that cheap worker thing isn't going to be the same anymore, but it's a different form of people first jobs follow. It's like people come here to remote work and then do firms follow because there's a concentration of talent that they might be able to access for non-fully remote work. So, you know, can you turn being attractive to people who want to work remotely into attracting firms that then, you know, organize them uh, and perhaps provide something that's more viable over the long run? Thanks again to City Club for inviting the three of us to engage with the community. City Club is committed to encouraging civil discourse on complex topics. That's the same spirit we do our best to embrace here at A New Angle, and we are always grateful for the opportunity to do that publicly. City Club holds its forums on the second Monday of every month. Check out the slate of upcoming events at cityclubmissoula.com. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. 
with additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott, social media by AJ Williams, and Jeff Neese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.